Rising up, back on the street. Did my time, took my chances. Oh, get out of here. Yeah, okay. All right, welcome to Dragon's Cast, the podcast brought to you by Dak Backbones. With me today, I have Marshall Fleming. Yo, yo. Nick and Trieri. Come on, baby, let's do it this year. And Bill Martin. <laughs> We're here after a, a hiatus of sorts. I think we haven't recorded it in close to maybe over a month. A lot has happened since the last time we recorded when we were too cool to storm. Um, and, uh, but let's start off with the good news over here, I guess. Uh, I think uh, our goal for this year was not to play on Saturday, the old Friday, for the CAA tournament. And I think uh, being achieved that. So, success? Absolutely. Missing three starters by the end of the season and we avoid the first round that's a that's a win even if we had higher standards the way this season played out losing walton for the year kirk lee for most of the year and troy at the end of the year absolutely number six seed i agree i'm gonna i have to call you out on this marshall um i i do believe a number of times during games you feeling very irritated at uh certain plays and games and uh, now, all of a sudden, we're a success because we're the six. I got to call that out. The things are not mutually exclusive. You can be annoyed with how things play out and still meet your long-term goal with all of the injuries that we had and everything. It's it's absolutely possible to have both of those thoughts in your head at the same time. Yeah, I know, but you know, I just don't want to get that typical Philly fan mentality when we're. You know, we lose to William and Mary on the road, and it's the worst loss ever, and this and that. And, you know, we've had a lot of injuries, and we're going to have some of those games. And, you know, let's the, the big picture, I think, needs to be, you know, celebrated. That's what we're doing now. And, you know, I, I just have to kindly point that out. Yeah, no, and, and that's fair. The William and Mary road loss, I do contend, is the worst loss that we had at least this year. Uh, I would have to go back and look at previous couple seasons but we when when we were up at halftime there is no reason we should have lost that particular game and so that that single game i contend is the worst loss but we're not okay gonna re, so so we're not going to relitigitate so if, if you're up at halftime was do you think that we're the only team that's been up at halftime and then that was the game the, that wasn't the only factor it was how we played to lose that lead yeah i i think it, we should have won that game but you know, I, I just think that the course of the season, we beat Charleston on the road. Uh, we played Charleston pretty well at home and lost. We swept Elon, who turns out to be pretty good, and that helps us get this sixth seed that we really wanted. Uh, and, and we were missing two starters, one, one starter and one, you know, possibly starter, but was going to get a lot of minutes for all of the year. And then we just lost our leading scorer, uh, you know, it, it was a great it was a great job by Spiker. It really was. You really can't. You know, I just I just wanted to point that out. That's all. I'll stop talking. Yeah, I think the season was a success. I mean, like like these guys said already, down two starters um, for most of the year. Um, if you would have told me we we're missing Kirk Lee and Walton um, at the beginning of the season, I, I thought we would have finished probably close to dead last, maybe just ahead of Townsend. Um, but yeah, it's pretty it's pretty amazing. And then once we lost Harper. I was pretty sure we weren't even going to be competitive. I mean, the, the the fact that we don't really only have like four guys who can put the ball in the hoop on a consistent basis, and then um, 
and our our starting shooting guard is the originally a third string point guard. So um, I, I wasn't expecting much. So I was pretty pleased with, even though the after we lost Harper, we went one and two. Um, that was more than I expected, and we almost pulled one off against the top team in the conference at Hofstra. So I think we discussed it after the game. This is one of the more proud losses I think that we had on the uh, <laughs> that I can remember at Drexel at least. Yeah, I had. I had no issues. Obviously, you never want to lose a game. You're never happy with a loss, but as close as you can be, as close as you can be to being happy after a loss is how I felt after that Hofstra game. I mean, losing losing Troy at this point puts us in a position where Ali Han, uh, Camp, uh, Butler, and why am I drawing? Oh, Trevor John. <laughs> drawing a blank on that one for some reason. Uh, have to play at an extremely high level or we have no shot at winning all of them pretty much. So like I, there was definitely games earlier this season, including that loss in William and Mary that you talked about Marshall that we could have won. So I guess even with the losses uh, we have from the injury standpoint, I think we had a shot with how tight the middle of the pack has been for the CAA to even end up, I think at a higher seed, right? I think, uh, what was it? The last game if we'd beaten, if we'd won the last game, we would have been fifth. If I remember correctly, but we even had a shot at probably finishing third or fourth. Not, not, a, not just a couple of weeks before that. If he just beaten Hofstra, which is not an easy feat, understandably, but it's kind of crazy that even with all the losses, we were that close to finishing even much further higher than what we'd hoped for. I mean, we did get a little lucky there with Elon. Uh, you know, I, I think that um, all compliments aside. We had we had destiny in our hands against Northeastern at home, and we didn't play a good game. Uh, you know, let's not forget that. I, I I know all the, you know, we have starters out. I would have liked to see us play a little bit better in that game. Um, you know, I don't think um, going into this weekend, it's great coming off a of shellacking at home, even to one of the top teams. The Hofstra game, I agree, that was probably one of the best losses I've ever seen. It was an unbelievable cutty performance. But it just goes to show you, we had four players play at the top of their level. Uh, Alahan didn't miss a shot, except for the last shot, against Ofstra. Trevor John was hitting a bunch of threes. Butler played a solid game. Cam played a great game. And we lost. So we are not going to get that many. We're not going to get that in this tournament. So, uh, you know, I, I don't think we should. We could get blown out in game one. And would you guys still consider it a successful season? We get blown out by Charleston? Because that could easily happen. Yeah. It would still be a successful season. I mean, I, I basically expect us to get... Last year, we got to Sunday. We lost to Charleston. This year, we we starting off on Sunday, so that's good. But if you lose to Charleston on Sunday, you guys are still considering the season a success. You don't, you don't think we should take the step up? Understanding that, of course, we had so many losses. So if we still had the players that we... I guess Walton and Kirk was playing, and Troy Harper wasn't injured. Would you want to get out of Sunday, or was was that would be a completely different story? Yeah, I mean, I think we're just too short-handed. There's just not enough weapons on this team. I mean, there's Cam and Alihan have to carry so much of the load. I mean, Trevor and um, I mean Trevor's been great, but he he can't get his own shot. Butler, a great garbage man, but he's not getting his own shot. So basically, the entire offense. I mean, against Hofstra, we had zero bench points. Um, we could have used something out of Dole, something out of I mean, offensively, something out of uh, um, Coltrane. And we got yeah, a little man. bit more from Coltrane in the last game of the season, but we, we need those bench players to do something. Like they, Someone has to step up, Doles, anybody. We need some, 
something if we're going to have any hope of beating Charleston. Yeah, that was one positive of the Northeastern shellacking. I think Coltrane got some confidence. I mean, for us to do something, we need something unexpected to happen. Canel Sanchez-worthy performance from Doles or Coltrane or Matei Urich getting hot from three that he hasn't done all year. Like, there's no way Trevor John, Ali Han, Cam Winter uh, are – are, are going to play at the top of their level. Um, I mean, even against Charleston, I find it uh, hard to believe that they'll be able to do that, let alone for an entire tournament. So we would need something unexpected out of the I, blue. I disagree there. I, I've said it all along that even with players down, you don't need someone coming out of the blue because that's highly unlikely. Yes, it, it's happened. We all have seen stories of players. You mentioned Canel Sanchez coming out of nowhere uh, for a game uh, however many years back, but what we really need is a solid game plan and everyone to just incrementally step their game up. When Troy was lost for the year, I think a lot of people thought, Oh, well, there goes the complete season. And you know what? We had a win against Delaware because we had a full week of practice going into that. We almost beat Hofstra because we had a full week of practice going into that. And then yeah, the guys were probably a little tired. Uh, Cam had played, I think, 40 minutes against Hofstra. Uh, so he probably was a little tired uh, when we got to Northeastern. Uh, certainly some of the reserves were probably a little tired. Um, I mean, Northeastern's also a better coach team than uh, Mihalik has at Hofstra. They just have one guy uh, who's able to put up a lot of points for them, whereas Northeastern's an actual team. But going into the tournament, I... I don't expect us to get blown out. I don't expect us to win, but I don't see those as the only options. Like we can be competitive with Charleston. And if the game is close with eight minutes left, anything can happen. Last year, we, our team was even more disjointed, even though it was a little bit more complete from a roster availability standpoint. And we kept it close and then lost it in the final eight minutes. If we can keep it close and at eight minutes, the guys still play together and play to the game plan, then no reason we can't beat Charleston this year. I think the point is, Marshall, there's only like four guys, right? Like we have, we currently have four guys. It's not even like you usually talk about the bench and the starters. There's, we have four guys who can get buckets regularly. And okay. if those four don't score at a very high level or play at a very high level, we're going to be in a lot of trouble. And it's I don't disagree. During the course of the season, that all four of those guys had a good game simultaneously. It happened to happen against Hoff. Um, and we still uh, lost. Yeah, and my point is, like, I will take an incremental step up, but it needs to happen from someone unexpected that hasn't had an incremental step up. And uh, because I don't see Alihan, especially when Cam Winter is going to be the focus of every defense of Charleston, and if, you know, uh, they know what Cam does. They know what Alihan does. They're going to have a game planned out those two guys so we need an incremental step up from one or multiple unexpected guys to win i don't think we need like a superstar performance from jarvis doles or coltrane but like can we get three out of one of them six out of another and like five out of one like if we can get like some sort of double digit scoring from the bench then you know we might have a we might have a shot just yeah, Coltrane yeah. put up nine in the last game. It didn't really help us all that much. I, you know, I know you guys think he, you know, got a little bit of confidence, but one of them was just a you know, half court heave and two other shots, yeah, they went in, but it's not like it made that much of a difference. He still got 
taken to school kind of by uh, Northeastern because Alihan couldn't couldn't get it going that game, unlike the last game where he kind of tore it up. Again, I think Northeastern of the three top teams is the best coached team. Hofstra is the worst. Charleston falls somewhere in the middle. Charleston has the most talent, but we've been able to keep it close, granted, with a fuller roster this year, but Riller doesn't like to defend. No reason Cam can't get his. Alahan, if we follow a game plan that hopefully Spiker is uh, getting his guys to buy into, then I don't expect him to have as bad a game as he had against Northeastern, and then I agree. Bench, Bench players stepping up and contributing together for anywhere from 8 to 12 points is absolutely going to be necessary. We can't have four guys scoring 77 points again. That's that's not going to work. I think we're also going to have to outwork them. I mean, just out-hustle, out-rebound, do all the little stuff to have a shot. I mean, it's not impossible. I'm not saying this is by any stretch of the imagination to not beat Charleston. We've taken them to the wire twice. I mean, we had Parker at that point, but um, it's definitely possible. We just have to play at a high level and get some contributions from guys who don't contribute normally. Yeah. And you know what one thing hasn't happened since our roster has been depleted with Troy's injury? We haven't gotten down in uh, – we haven't given up big leads early. Delaware, we were in it the entire time and ended up winning. Hofstra, we were in it the entire game. And Northeastern really only pulled away in the second half. And, again, I think that was a bit of tired legs. I think they made uh, in-game adjustments that we didn't. But at halftime, we were right there with them. No, that's true. And Charleston – and we seem to have uh, a little bit of luck sometimes against Charleston. Like like you guys mentioned, it was two close games. We almost pulled off the second game somehow. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, we are going to miss Troy, though, because I think he had 30 points in the second game against Charleston, and he had a he had the crucial three-point play in the first game that led to the victory. We're so. going to miss mm-hmm. Troy tremendously against this team. He was the one yeah. guarding Riller. He's the one that can penetrate other than Cam. Uh, I mean, I think we get blown out. That's my personal opinion. I'm hoping for the best, but I think we're going to get blown I thought, out. I thought your boy Mady was going to do something. You the mean Tay. the Tay? <laughs> yeah, now you know how to say his name? <laughs> I always knew how to say his name. <laughs> Matei, you're rich. Hey, by wow. the way, how many um, how many used cars do you think Joe Mihalovic uh, sold this year while on the road traveling around <laughs> the Hofstra games? He didn't take me up on my... Uh... I asked if he could get me a 97 Miata. <laughs> it's a tough car to get a hold of. You got to let him know you're a cash buyer. <laughs> I'm not liquid enough for that right now. No, but Leon, to answer your question, I think it was you who asked it, is if we lose this first game, is it still a successful season? Yeah, you can't, you can't confuse one game situations with entire season situations. You can have, in whatever industry, you can have a bad game a bad day, whatever. That doesn't mean that the last year has been unsuccessful. Again, we set our goal as avoiding the playing game. We didn't say avoid the playing game and win because we didn't know exactly what type of team we were going to have. We expected the team to be having a little more depth. If we had Troy, Zach, and uh, and um, Kirk. Kirk, thank you, uh, then we're probably a top four seed. I don't see that team having near as many losses as we've had this year. And so we're talking about a different situation for that one game. But again, the goal would have been avoid the play-in game, which we've already accomplished. We can talk about what kind of tournament success we need to have if we want to set that as a benchmark for next year when that comes. But to me, whatever happens on Sunday, 
as much as I want it to be a win, even if it is a blowout loss like some of you guys are predicting, that doesn't tarnish the year for me. No, and it was a it was a year with a lot of adversity, so I can't I can't really blame him. I hope Kirk is uh, dressed and playing on uh, Sunday. Yeah, but like, what is it? Does anyone? Um, I, I mean, we won't, we don't have to say on the call because you know, I know we don't want to leak it to you know the the thousands of people listening that may <laughs> leak it to then the Charleston coach or game plan around it. But I would love to see Kirk Lee just roll out of that tunnel, fully dressed, even if just as a decoy. Them up. Agreed. If Kirk Lee is suited up and actually plays, that that actually changes things. I think we'd have a better shot. But even if he's suited, I, I agree. Suit him up as a decoy, uh, at the very least, is a, is a decent enough idea. How about uh, this? How about this? We put Nick in a Kirk Lee jersey, send him out there just as a body, confuse the hell out of him. Do you think uh, Coltrane will still give me a, a high five if I do that? <laughs> I think he has to give you a first high five. Yeah, by the way, Train, if you're listening, man, you, you dissed me, bro. I tried to get a high five. <laughs> that, after that, he's after that he's 6'5", five, man. He couldn't, he couldn't even see you when you tried to slap train. a high five. Come on, Train. Come on, man. Just saying. Well, if we're going to if we're gonna ask Train for the love, then we got to give uh, Cam props for uh, hitting that corner three, doing that little shimmy, and then uh, dapping us up in the front row before he got fouled on that, right, before he went to the line. Yeah, no, that was a great play. Yeah, Cam, Cam is uh, really. You got to talk about Cam a little bit because he has to win Rookie of the Year, right? Is, when does that come out on Friday? Yeah, yeah. There, I don't think it's a question. He's got to win it. There's no debate this year, like the year we had with Kirk Lee. This is this has got to be a shoe in. There's no competition. Uh, he's won Rookie of the Week way too many times. Yeah, he won more more Rookies of the Week than anyone else. I mean, there's a couple guys that were close to him, but he's got the best overall numbers and i think if you watched he should be the guy who walks home with the award i think i mean i don't think we we get any other awards though just him you don't think we get anyone like first second third team i think i think trevor gets maybe like a third team spot alihan a third team spot alihan might get a third third team look i mean does cam get on team if he gets rookie of the year I think someone was saying that the, that the rookie of the year usually does make it on one of the teams whether it's then, yeah he would be there too I think we get one slot, and it's Cam on the third. Your history of accurately predicting who gets on what team serves you well right now, Nick. I know. <laughs> I know it does. Well, without Cam, I, I like again going back to what we were saying before. Where if we, if you told me in the beginning of the year that we'd be out two of our starters and a third starter probably uh, towards the end of the season, then I don't think we, you know, Cam, Cam winner has been the game changer, right? Like there's no no doubt that without him, we would be we would be in the bottom of the barrel again. Without him we're in tenth seed. And I can't I can't wait to see this kid grow. I feel like this is like watching when Grant Riller had his freshman year uh, at College of Charleston a little bit. I think he he might even be better on the uh, I mean Cam's very, very good. I mean it's hard to say like how how I mean I, I think he has a lot of room to grow too, so um He's a pass-first guard, but that's, I guess that makes a big difference. I think Griller still likes Griller's to... Griller's a score-first guy, yeah. and Griller's got a better three-point shot right now. I think if Cam improves his three-point shot, that'll be a game-changer for him. Yeah, but what did Grant Riller shoot as a freshman? Like, we're comparing a two-year-old. I, I remember him hitting threes against us. I don't know. I don't have it up in front of me right now. No, nah, Grant, Grant, I remember Grant uh, Riller as a freshman schooling as at the DAC, uh, and he, he was good. He was scrawnier back then. 
I felt like he was a little skinnier. Now he's he's got put on a little more more mass. But I think Cam, like the team we have assembled, that's coming in next year. I, 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 you know, I don't want to I don't want to start talking about it yet. But that it's going to be interesting to see what goals we set for that team because I think there's going to be some high expectations, especially with some of the some of the teams in the top losing key players. I mean, I think this this year was a building block year. I mean, regardless of the injuries, I didn't think anyone came in with high expectations anyway after losing Isabel. And just wasn't high expectations. But for next year, I mean, I think we got to be looking at like a top three, top four finish. Top three would hopefully be a, a lofty goal to go after, but I think we that's where we should be at. I'll wait for the transfer market to play out. Uh, as far as what? Uh, looks to transfer if uh... – Maybe if one of our bench guys who hasn't had a lot of playing time this year uh, decides to transfer, we might get someone in. So I'm going to wait till the transfer market kind of clears up the CAA situation. But we should, if everything holds as as it is now, we should be a top team in the CAA. Uh, I would say even contending for a number one seed, depending on how things play out. I mean, can you believe that, speaking of the transfer market, we got a guy from... Cal Poly, who averaged two points a game as a fifth-year transfer, and he comes in, averages 34 minutes a game, and sets the Drexel record of three-pointers in a season. That's crazy. No, that's insane. I I was talking to Nick about this. I I feel like Spiker does a really good job of bringing out the offensive potential of players, especially guards. I don't think there's one guard had since he's been here that like hasn't at least lived up to expectations, if not exceeded it at this point. Um, I think he just does a really good job of that. Now there's defensive problems, there's some in-game stuff, but as far as like offensively bringing out the best, like you look at Isabel. Like Isabel was averaging 22 a game here. He transfers to St. Louis. He's got 11. Trevor John's another perfect example. Two points a game. He comes here. He's drilling every shot. And he's all-time. Uh, Single season record holder for threes, and he averages 11 a game. I mean, there's like uh, Cam Winters. You have a Cam Winters going on here. I've seen some people post on on Twitter that um, some colleges didn't even feel he was a Division One prospect. They thought he was like a D2 type of a kid, and he's come out. And I, mean, I think that's a bad evaluation. But, I mean, I just think Spiker does a really good job of bringing these guys out offensively. How's Spiker done with uh, bringing Tadis out offensively? Still time to be seen. I'm talking about guards <laughs> right now. Okay. He is no, a guard. I, no, I agree with you, Bill. I just wanted to fire a few shots. <laughs> Nick is itching for that fight today. He's not the fifth on Tadis at this point anyway, so I'm not, I'm not going to that. <laughs> what, what was the bet that uh, Bill and I have on Tadis? Five points a game by his senior year, and it was 50 bucks. I just want to just solidify that. I know there is a bet out there. That's fine. Okay. I thought it was more than five. No, Bill, five. make sure you get it in writing, or else Nick is going to slink out of it like his ten thousand dollar bet that the lakers are going to make it to the western conference finals that he's uh chosen to back out of yeah i was huh? i was brokering that deal and he, he really did back it out of marshall i agree what huh <laughs> what I, I don't know what you guys are talking about anyways um agreed bill <laughs> Uh, well, speaking of Trevor, um, for anyone who didn't see it, uh, we can put the tweet link in the uh, show notes. But we uh, talked to Dom Mejia uh, like two days before uh, Trevor was set to break his record. Uh, what did he need? One to one to break it. And then he made six that game. And so uh, Dom recorded a video and sent it to us and we posted it up on Dragon's Cast. And he was uh, uh, very 
uh, he tossed a lot of praise Trevor's way, both in the video and then uh, just talking with him outside of what he recorded. Uh, and it, it made me actually think, like, what if Dom was playing in Spiker's system? He would, he could have 25 points a game. Oh, definitely. Yeah. He say the same about, like, Fouch. Oh, yeah. All those guys that would get the quick yank because they uh, slacked a little bit on defense. Yeah, I mean, I remember we only had, so I mean, going back to Cam Winter, possibly getting rookie of the year, we've only had two other rookie of the years in the CAA, I believe, which is Fouch and Damian Lee. And I think, like, I remember being Fouch as a freshman and thinking, like, the only one who's defending Fouch right now is Bruiser Flint. Like, put the guy in the game. This is getting ridiculous. But And Brute continued to play defense on him for several years. <laughs> he wouldn't even let him start. That was ridiculous. That was a man that stuck to his principles, and he took that way too far. Like, like I mean, come on, man. Like, I know he's not your favorite defensive player, but... It's like when keep it real goes wrong. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, there's a reason he's not a head coach right now, and I love the guy, but he uh, he was old-school basketball uh, in every sense of the word, and the game evolved very quickly uh, from the mid-2000s to the mid 2010s and uh his if he wants to be a head coach again he's got to have a uh, slightly better approach to uh the offensive side of the ball you know that brings up another point on spiker i want to make like we were critical of him we didn't record but you know i brought it up earlier uh with the william mary game and i think we were all critical it's timeout usage right mm-hmm. like like why in the world would you not use a timeout when the other team's going on a run and, you know, wait until we have a bucket, have a timeout. It just makes – I don't know if there's analytics around that, but it makes no sense in the flow of the game. And Spiker's credit, I don't know if maybe he stole the Slack channel or what, or maybe really <laughs> we were all fucking pissed about it, and he stopped doing it. Like, he, cha- like, he definitely, like – uh, I mean, I, I, if we had a podcast, I think we were all going to go. We weren't. We were going to mention that as like, what the fuck are you doing? But he did just as good. I, I guess that's I a power of slack. Right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know if slack had to do it, but he definitely made the adjustment. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm sure it wasn't that, but somebody must have said something to him, or did he just come to that realization on his own? You know, to change your strategy on timeouts. I don't know. Did the did the office of the dragon guys ask that question? Maybe in one of the post games. Maybe he came. I up think that. he did, and that's where we got that answer that uh, he liked having the timeout after uh, something positive instead of a yeah. negative. Which uh, I don't know. A negative has a chance of snowballing. A positive, uh, I don't know. It's just everything Nick just said. Like it's it's not necessarily uh, a winning strategy uh, by common uh, convention. And it seems like he's uh, he's changed that since then. Not that we've had uh, too many terrible runs that he's had to do that, but uh, that that, in my opinion, was one of the big reasons why that loss at William and Mary was one of the worst losses. Was that was just baffling. Um, but anyway, um, yeah, he he's definitely changed that, and it's I think contributed to some of the better play with even fewer players available. What if Trill had stayed, guys? No, let's not go into that. <laughs> I'm sure he wishes. I'm sure he wishes he didn't leave, right? Like because he has had an awful year at the, at the exactly. St. Louis Blumkins. <laughs> yeah, the, the Blumkins were supposed to be very good, but they've not been too great. 
He's actually started. I've been kind of following. He's started to play better towards the end. He was definitely struggling early on, though. And the team is at a whole, I think, is like fifth in the A-10 or something along those lines. And the A-10 isn't even very good. They'll get the bid. They'll get the bid. I'm not sure. I'm not sure because I think it all depends on how he would mesh with Cam Winner. And we we don't know that. Um, We could just be just as – we could be in the same place with Tremaine if him and Cam Winner don't mesh well. I mean, we had – Tremaine and Kirk Lee the whole year last year, two top players, and we finished in the worst spot last year than we did this year. Yeah, but with uh, Kirk and Tre- uh, Tremaine, you had two guards that kind of, you know, weren't pass first. I think with he would have actually meshed decently with Cam. Maybe who knows? It's a thought know. experiment to run down. Yeah, it's hard. To, it's kind of impossible to simulate that, but I mean, it would be nice to have him now for sure. I mean, now even we don't even have Harper. I mean, it'd be much better off if we had Isabel. <laughs> I. He probably wins us a couple games. Uh, we might not see the emergence of Cam that we've seen. Uh, all things told, I'll take this season the way it played out. Yeah, in the long yeah. term, in the long term, this is much better. I mean, Cam got to be the star a little bit, especially towards the end of this year, and he, uh, it'll it'll pay dividends for next year. Yeah, and going into next year, it's going to be interesting with Kirk, right? It's going to be Kirk's senior year. He just had uh, a, a freaking incredible freshman year, and he, who. It'll be interesting to see if there's a little bit of a struggle on who's going to be the floor general. Yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe we want to table that till over the summer and uh, see how see, see how what, this, uh, see what Spiker says. Okay, let's table <laughs> yeah. that. Let's ask. I have another question. How drunk are we going to be when we show up to the game? Oh After man, five hours of wine fest, wine and cheese I, fest. I, the way wine and cheese fest followed by uh, alumni event. The key is to eat, you know, balance the cheese and the wine. I think we'll be fine. Oh God, our Airbnb is going to smell so bad Monday morning. At least we all have our own room. That's true. I call dibs, guys. I call dibs. Dibs. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's uh, going to be a fun day. That's going to be a fun day, regardless of what happens. I think we're going to have a good time. It's still fun. absolutely asinine the way the CAA tournament schedules these games. Like for for the tournament to start on a Saturday is just completely stupid. Leon, you catch at best one game because you have to fly back Monday morning, right? Yeah, but it's going to be a blowout, so it works out perfectly for me. So, <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's awful. The fr- I, I don't understand why the tournament doesn't start on Friday and go through, you know, the like like it did back when it was in Richmond and Baltimore, where it started on Friday and end with the finals on Monday night on ESPN. You know, that was I thought the best way to do it. I don't know if it's changing uh, when we move to DC next year at all, or if it's, it's going to. Oh, it's great. not. You know. It was a T. Was it a TV decision? I'm assuming that was the reason. What it, it might be channel. What CBS Sports Television, the channel that only forty percent of America gets, um, and that no one actually watches. Every move the CAA has made seemingly was done without any th- thought as to whether fans are better off as a result. The CA tournament move, fans are not better off. Uh, on the women's side, the CA tournament schedule, fans are not better off. The TV deal, fans are not better off. Like, it would be better to just have all the games on CAA.TV. Everyone can at least access that online or through their Roku or Apple TV. But not everyone can watch CBS Sports Television. And it's, a, it's just nothing about the way the CAA has operated the last couple of years makes any sense. I don't mind the move to D.C., though. No, okay. I agree. That's yeah. a good move. But I hear you know, the other stuff. Anything else you guys want to talk about today? Shout out to Damien for coming to the DAC. 
Yeah. Oh yeah. I'm wearing that Drexel basketball hoodie after the the post game. Yeah. Yeah. That was a pretty cool day. Damien was at the deck going nuts, talking to people. Then he has a great game uh, playing in the Warrior. He put 12 points, like four or five from three, something like that. He gets interviewed after, and he's wearing his Drexel hoodie. Um, yeah, I, there's a lot of good stories that Spiker can take into take the recruits going forward. Um, you know, even the the, you know, the 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 Isabel downfall is a good story. Damian Lee coming back is a good story. I know he left us for Louisville, but you know he didn't. Louisville didn't help him not get drafted, so. Uh, and he's coming back to Drexel and, you know, welcoming him back. And we, you know, we were the ones that provided him the opportunity to shine. I think, you know, Caitlyn Jenner was at the DAC. Ben Simmons. <laughs> Caitlyn <laughs> Jenner. <laughs> what is her name? Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner, whatever. <laughs> Nick was hoping for Caitlyn. <laughs> he prefers, he prefers Jenners that are Olympians, <laughs> damn it. <laughs> Wait, so who was Chris Jenner? Was it who which Jenner was at the deck? Kendall. Kendall. Kendall, Kendall Jenner. Kendall Jenner. It's very okay, hard. What's, what's the name of the uh, incoming recruit we have next year? Um TJ Pickersley. <laughs> <laughs> Why did you just call him TJ Picklesworth? Pickersworth. Pickersworth. Pickersworth? Pickerstaff. There you go. Oh man. It's like an old timey cartoon character or something. <laughs> No, but with Damien coming back, um, he was he was saying hi to a bunch of people. Uh, he was chilling, sitting. I think he was blocking the uh, the guys calling the games view a little bit, sitting on the uh, end of the media table, talking with uh, some fans during the uh, during the gameplay. And uh, I know he went out to the Dakpak Walk and took a couple photos with uh, fans who have their memory out there, and he's a part of it. So. No, he, I mean, he graduated Drexel. He was a grad transfer. He, uh, when I was talking with him right after he graduated, he's like, he, he considers himself a dragon. Like he graduated here. He's using that degree, uh, uh, at some point whenever his, uh, playing days are over. So I, I wish nothing but the best for him. And he, he's had such an incredible story too, with, uh, the injuries he's faced and, uh, Louisville did him real dirty as far as I'm concerned and yeah. still making it through. And if he wins the NBA uh, title this year, then that's uh, both Drexel NBA players of the last 30 years will have had uh, NBA titles. It's a good stat. We, we should throw that around. Yeah. Would you guys be opposed to having like a, a Damian Lee type day at the DAC next year? Like say he's on, I don't know, whatever team he's on and they come to the Sixers. town and he has to be around. Hopefully the Sixers. And just have him like swing through, give him some kind of like, I don't know, recognition and maybe have like Yellow shirts with his old number and uh, like Lee on the back handed out to fans. I think we should have done that this year. Yeah, that's a good of idea. course. I think that's a great idea. Let's do it. All right, let's idea. try to maybe push forward for next season. Yeah, let's see where he uh, he lands. You know, and that was and you mentioned it earlier, Marshall, but that was awesome of you getting that dumb Hia video. Definitely, and that just goes to show, like, you know, Damian Lee. That's what I was. I guess I was trying to get at Damian Lee, Dom. He like once you're a dragon, yeah, you know. You know, you're, you know, always, I don't be, be cliche with Dan Crane stuff, but you're always a dragon and like the fans just never forget your contributions. And Trevor John is here one year and none of us ever going to forget that shit. He can come back to the back and we can have Trevor John day. Too. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Now we're going a little crazy. We're giving everyone days. The fa- no, doesn't go for Isabel. The the few fans that remember, they never forget. Isabel can be part of the celebration whenever we celebrate the uh, comeback against Delaware, but he doesn't get his own day. <laughs> yeah, too soon. Too soon for me on Isabel. I think he wishes he stayed. Does Does Trevor John get a, Cal, a day at Cal Poly whenever he goes back there? I that's doubt how it. I feel, that's how I feel. Two points? Show. Two points? All right, guys, anything else? All right, wrap it up. All right, go ahead. We're gonna oh, we're gonna get blown out on Sunday. By the way. <laughs> Mr. Reverse Psychology is going full strength, full strength <laughs> over here.